Passion, innovation, X factor, enthusiasm, leadership. That's what the Pixel Classroom podcast is all about on education from the latest happenings in the classroom to experts in the field. Thank you and welcome to the Pixel Classroom podcast. Welcome to episode 41 for January 2021. I hope everyone is having a great start to their new year. Well, by popular demand, believe it or not, I got several emails after uh, episode one uh, dropped of chapter one here of The Broken Teacher. Some people said, you know, I don't want to wait until next weekend, Ryan. Can we uh, start speeding these up a little bit? Well, Think, first of all, thank you, everybody, who said that. So what I'm going to do, I made this decision, and those who have been following me on social media know that I made this announcement uh, later. Um, I'm going to release uh, the chapters on Wednesdays and Saturdays. I can actually record these pretty uh, pretty well um, late at night when it's nice and quiet, and I can release, uh, release them so they, of course, uh, pop up on your favorite um podcast listening. So that's what we're going to do. So uh, today we're going to go ahead and kick up uh, chapter two, which is called Climbing Up from Brokenness. Um, I will continue the world one. This will be a much shorter podcast since there's no introduction and this one goes on uh, a little bit less pages. Um, after that, of course, guys, uh, we'll have a uh, chapter three uh, released on the following uh, Saturday. And then, of course, we'll start to circle again uh, Wednesday to Saturday again, too. And I'll just keep this cycle going. I will have a couple of podcasts coming up here, too, for some special guests, especially if episode 50, which I'm um, already in the planning stages. So without further ado, guys, let's get on to chapter two, climbing up from brokenness. Why do we fall, sir? So we can learn to pick ourselves back up by Michael Caine from Batman Begins. Chapter two, climbing up from brokenness. The next few months were tough. I had a lunchroom safety job at a local middle school to start pulling in some bill pay money. That's right. There was no free ride money coming in from living with my wife's parents. Remember, I told you. I had to charge various items such as student health insurance because I could not transfer to my father-in-law's insurance plan, even though I was living in the same house. Now, when we lived with my mother, she didn't have this problem. But after overreacting to some things that happened two months prior to me leaving my job, my wife felt it was better if we lived with her parents due to her epilepsy and stress levels and high pregnancy problems. Now, she was pregnant and the only one working. I was pretty much told get a job or finish school and finish school or else. Well, those weren't the exact words, but that's kind of how it felt. I had one situation later on where I was told that if I didn't worry about work and school, second, I would be picking up my clothes off the front lawn. Uh, the more I heard these words, including where I was, I sat down and told to pay another $600 to in credit for extra coverage after my son was born. I saw myself go from 8,000 in the hole to almost 18,000 in the hole and constantly told you have to make sacrifices for your family. So every day I would pick myself up and out of bed, do some assignments, file my unemployment paperwork by phone, and then head out for basically just two hours of work that was 20 minutes away, making minimum wage. Dealing with middle school students that had attitudes to match their outlooks in life, even ones that were known members of gangs. Yet, I worked with those kids. Every day, every week, I worked on them. I listened to them. I would play sports with them. I even earned the nickname Mr. Book. I was proud of it, but 
it broke my heart when I had to write them up or send them to the office. I didn't help that several of these students had parents involved in the school board, and I had an administrator at the time, a part of No Child Left Behind, that really made it difficult for any of these students to take responsibility for their own actions. And when the school board told the administration to jump, they would always ask how high. I was very frustrated with all this, and as a result, I quit and took a new job at a local <laughs> craft store, which was brand new, closer to home, and allowed me to really start slipping into the teaching role. As I led a few workshops and scrapbooking and things on perler beads, and I'll talk about that in later chapters. Um, unfortunately, as much as I was praised and had excellent customer service, and at least according to my reviews, I lost the job three weeks after my son Tyler was born. So being unemployed again, I lucked out as an internship starting when my master's program had come up and the recent graduate assistant position had opened up at a university and I had taken a new lunch and safety aid position a little closer to an elementary school not too far from my hometown. Through all this, I was excelling my graduate studies. I was receiving a 4.0 and a few months later before graduation, I received an offer to consider with a doctorate and was offered another graduate assistant job from the college. I even found a way to reduce my debt down by $4,000 and pay off a car loan from a few months later. Though it cost me over $3,000 payout and I had received from my healthcare system a year earlier, I decided to play nice with my extended family and put my family first and emptied out the last of my savings. So we would be a little hud on the bills for a bit until after graduation. The problem was my quest to keep the family happy ended up costing my time to take required tests that were needed to complete my teaching certification. And if anyone knows about the basic skills test from 2009 through 2012, that was pretty much almost impossible to pass, especially the math section. Years later, it would be revealed that specific questions were purposely altered from the original writers of the test to be wrong. And when that went on record, the right answer was and had been changed to meet the need of what type teachers need for schools. And of course, made the skills test a lot easier to pass. But it wasn't like I didn't blame districts and states for this. Sadly, several teachers had entered the field under less than respectable terms. And there was a lot of people who entered who were secretly, you know, abusers, liars, and out to get a fast buck. And sadly, the term make harder tests to get better results became the norm. And as a result, instead of going, anyone can pass the test, but how you conduct yourself and learn from your failures will allow you to be a better person and a better teacher. So to make a long story short, I was excelling in class, but... I was not certified, and as a result, I had a few family members mad as I was staying in school past my master's because without a full certification, I couldn't even get a time of day from some schools. I was also too inexperienced to take a help desk position and work my way up. Even more, subbing was out of the system at that time, was very competitive, and there wasn't really a lot of classes without teachers, unlike right now, where you could become a full-time sub without any problems as long as you met requirements and background checks. How so much has changed in the last decade from it's your fault, you can't get a job to please step this way. We believe in you. You know, author Amy Ross, a blessings from the broken teacher who was over 25 years of an English teacher, said in an interview on a 10-minute teacher blog, when we come away from being a new teacher into realizing we are open ourselves up and allow them to see who we are, I get more out of my teaching because it's a respect. They know who I am as a person. I know who they are. And hey, we're all in this together. 
What can you guys give to me today and what can I do for you? And while teaching standards and while getting the test scores from their findings. She continues to say that's what makes the job worth coming to every day. Just to have a student remind you that they, not necessarily expecting great things from you, but they are not surprised if there are great things that come from you worthy of remembering every single day. And that's why I get up and come to school. And you can find out more about that at thecoolcatteacher.com slash e266. So I took that advice to heart and I worked my way through those days with good and bad, trying to make myself better as results and knowing what I was doing was making it worth coming in every day and working with those students. As time went by, I finally completed my master's in the December of 2011 and started my doctorate studies as a graduate student in January of 2012. I felt reinvigorated. I was teaching now pre-service teachers at this time. I was still working in two graduate positions that I was loving every day at the college, and it seemed that things were finally getting better and better. And for an entire semester, I taught a group of pre-service students, soon to be teachers themselves, on how to use technology, use teaching models, practice lesson plans, and just be all around good people with their students. And I found out during this semester, not all of them could learn the same. And I had to change the way I taught, not just with a few, but with all of them. And I became a better teacher because of it. When the semester ended, I had each one of my students ranging from late teens to early 40s tell me I taught them a lot and they wanted to use my model to be great teachers themselves. And that was one of the most amazing compliments I had ever had, especially when they knew I was still a student myself under someone else I considered to be a great teacher. Sadly, it was the last time I would teach a regular classroom on a regular basis. I changed jobs wanted to be a teacher's teacher, which at times made me want to go back to the classroom with a group of regular students. But the truth is these teachers were my students. Something we sometimes forget when teaching is that our students aren't limited to just the smaller human beings in front of us or the college students waiting to get a degree so they can move on in their professions. All of us are students in some shape or form. When it comes to learning, each of us learns in a different way. There is a difference in the way my science teacher learns, and there is a different way my PE teacher learns, and I must change how I teach for them to learn. I had a grade school teacher I taught how to use the annotation app, uh, known as Sketch, because they were a visual learner. That teacher turned around and took that annotation app and applied it to their English lessons on a daily basis in a way no one thought about using it. They, in turn, taught it to their peers, and in turn, taught it to their students sitting on their iPads in the classroom. Then one day, one of those students raised their hand and said, I found out I could do this. And that student then taught their classmates, and those classmates soon wanted to lead a project using this new lesson. Then one of those students thought of a way to do something similar with another app and then taught it to a teacher who then came back and taught it to me. I then took that lesson, created a workshop with it, taught it in a set of high school students who were blown away by the lesson, then went home and did it with their daily activities, not just schoolwork. Many would classify this as a domino effect, but in my case, I call it a boomerang effect. What you do eventually comes back to you and then you send it off in a new direction. And when it comes back to you, you will learn more than when you first threw it. That's not karma. That's student rollout. I don't have to show examples or say you should try this device or this type of curriculum over this one. This is being a teacher. 
When you inspire a student to learn, no force can stop them, and they will roll right out and go on to teach someone else what they learn and inspire them to learn and teach in their own way. I might not do weekly lesson plans, grade papers, give tests, hold down faculty meetings, or check off attendances, but that isn't one student who hasn't come to me saying I didn't learn anything today. And I'm not saying I have failed any student because I know in my heart of hearts I have at times. But as I said, failing is first attempt in learning. When I haven't had something that didn't work out for a student or for someone else, I learned. Learning never stops, even when others say the lesson is over. Now, learning is lifelong, and we are always a student of something, but at the same time, we are also teachers to others, and in turn, we will be teachers to others in our lives. I loved those days from January to May of 2012, the excitement I would feel when I woke up in the morning and telling my family when I came home, especially touching, telling my son, Tyler, who was just two at the time. He just sat there on my knee and looked at me in wonder as I told him everything that was going on. I felt those days would never stop. And then a Thursday in May, it did. Well, thanks for joining me again today on the Pixel Classroom Podcast for Chapter 2 of The Broken Teacher. Remember, I will be releasing these chapters from my audiobook here on Saturdays and Wednesdays from here on out to the end of the book with Chapter 12. So if you like what you hear, please think of subscribing on your favorite podcast network, or please leave me a comment or contact me. You also can find the show notes about the websites I talked about in this chapter in the show notes below. Thanks for listening, and I will see everybody later on the Pixel Classroom Podcast.